Cold Open. Caldwell Madison Review, episode 68, for Monday, November 6, 2017. You're listening to the only podcast in the world with a newfound hatred for video editing. This uh, song you're listening to uh, now is Professor Umlaut by Kevin McLeod. You can check out his site in Competech.com for royalty-free music and graph paper. And a comment about the video, if you look at my episode, Caldwell Medicine 67, you'll either see a link in your notes I think iTunes has. Whatever text I put on there, you'll you'll see it on uh, if you're on blogtalkradio.com. You'll see a link. Well, wherever you see this podcast, you should see a link somewhere, and you can see the video of Caldwell Medicine Review episode 67. I want to do a little bit of an experiment and. Actually, I wanted to transition the show over to video, and um, I don't know. I don't think that that is very wise. After doing that, uh, it just takes a lot, of, a long time to transfer files uh, when they're that big. Uh, these files are huge <laughs> for you know for a show that's that long, and I use two cameras, so that it's like double everything. So you transfer the files, you have to process the video. You have to do the uploading. All this time, the turnover would be probably like three days after I do it. And I kind of like to do this show twice a week again. And uh, I'm thinking Mondays and Thursdays again. And I want to spend more time on the news and then and then on production. Uh, as far as video production goes, I'm still interested in doing that, uh, but I'll probably just tackle different topics at a time, kind of like what I was planning on doing before I started this podcast, uh, just breaking down certain things uh, like national debt and two-party system and, and you know things that I'm interested in talking about, and, and then I can uh, plan that out a little bit better and use visuals better and... Uh, Keep the podcast a podcast for now. Now, if I had a staff or something like that, it might be different. But I can't... Not really... Not really realistic to jump through extra hoops when it's not all that necessary. So lots of news since the last show. The main three stories being the New York attack, the... Texas Church tack and uh, the uh, Donna Brazil revelations, and um, I just want to touch on these briefly. And these have been in the news everywhere, so I don't know what else more needs to be said for a lot of these things. But there's always certain takeaways you can have. Uh, the first is this uh, terrorist attack that happened in New York. Um, I'm just looking at a the, the Daily Mail. .co.uk article that covered this. ISIS lives forever. Uzbek man 29 was planning New York attack for weeks. Had knives along with the ISIS flag and notes in the truck when he 
killed eight, injured 12 by mowing them down on a bike path. So the article just, it details that he planned this for weeks. He used his Home Depot truck. Uh, he found knives. You know, the, one of the weird things about it was he got out of the car with an airsoft gun and a paintball gun. Uh, expecting to get death by cop. Instead, I believe he was shot in the stomach and taken. And he's getting federal terrorism charges to carry the death penalty. So yet another... Truck used in a massacre. It traveled from Uzbekistan in 2010 and resided in Florida. I think there was even an article that headlined Florida man kills or, or drives truck through crowd. Something of that sort. And as Trump made comments about the reckless immigration policies that we've had, of course, people like Chuck Schumer jump in and skew the conversation in different directions, trying to draw correlations between wanting tough immigration to racism. The man yelled Allahu Akbar after getting out of the truck. So, of course, radicalized. And not surprisingly, leftist media, leftist politicians, keeping pretty quiet about uh, immigration problems and uh, ideological problems we can have in our society if we're not careful on who we are accepting. Speaking of ideologies, uh, we have uh, Devon Patrick Kelly, 26 Shooting dead 26 people and injuring 24 in Texas. This happening on Sunday. Apparently an avid atheist. One that would regularly call Christians stupid. According to people that knew him. Wearing all black and tactical gear. He was discharged from the Air Force. Divorced. Apparently used an AR-15. I'm not positive about that. And was thankfully taken out by two citizens who engaged him with their own firearms. Unfortunately, only after he killed 26. And he apparently was shot through, as I heard, a chink in his armor. I'm not exactly sure what that is. There's an interesting video on Stefan Molyneux's YouTube channel. I recommend checking that out. He, he's pretty good at breaking things down. I thought he said that this guy was involved with the Sunday school at one point, which is very weird. Considering the sources that said he was an avid atheist, you got to wonder what he was doing in a position like that. I'm going to have to look into that, though, because I don't know. I don't want to be spreading fake news. I think it was a LinkedIn profile that said he was an ex-Bible studies teacher. The reason he was dishonorably discharged from the Air Force, because he, he was assaulting his wife. From what I understand, he shouldn't have been in possession with guns in the first place. At least I could say there's municipalities that would restrict you from owning firearms if you're in a domestic abuse 
situation. You know there are already cries to rein in gun laws. Nothing said about mental health. Nothing said about abuse of prescription drugs. Or even the culture that subjects everybody to them. To the thought that they need them. It's not confirmed whether Devin Patrick Kelly has been taking prescription drugs. However, um, it was known as Stephen Paddock, the Las Vegas shooter, was taking diazepam. If I'm even pronouncing that correctly. One of the few facts we got out of the Las Vegas shooting. Appears we're getting more information out of the Texas one and the New York attack. And then aside from the mass killings, moving on to someone that potentially just kills one at a time, uh, Hillary Clinton, Donna's, Donna Brazil uh, came out with her book, exposing a lot of what was going on during the campaign, stating that she found out the party was $2 million in debt and broke. Um, this is part of her part of her book here. The Saturday morning after the convention, I called Gary Gensler. This is this is Donna Brazil, by the way. Uh, the ch chief financial officer of Hillary's campaign. He wasted no words. He told me the Democrat Party was broke and two million dollars in debt. Obama allegedly left the party twenty-four million dollars in debt. Which includes 15 million in bank debt and more than 8 million owed to vendors after the 2012 campaign. He had been paying it off very slowly. Was not scheduled to pay off until 2016. Hillary for uh, the Hillary for America campaign and the Hillary Victory Fund had taken care of 80% of that remaining debt in 2016, about $10 million, and had placed the party on an allowance. So I don't know how you could more say, or how you could say more, that the Democrat Party was in the hands of Hillary Clinton. Matt Drudge then tweets out, who, by the way, rarely ever tweets, it usually does when it's significant. Says, uh, or tweets, Brazil writes she was haunted by murder of DNC Seth Rich and feared for her own life, shutting the blind so snipers could not see her. So that she writes in her book, and there's also a interview with her, and I believe George Stephanopoulos. Uh, she actually mentioned Seth Rich by his name. Not saying that he was shot for that, but saying that she, I think she called him a son. She, you know, lost a son or something like that. Um, but it's speculated from some that Seth Rich is the one that took the Podesta emails and everything else. Gave it to WikiLeaks. Uh, although Donna Brazil claims the Russians were the ones that hacked the uh, computers there. I mentioned in the last episode about the JFK files, that those were going to be released. And not all of them released, most of them were, I'd say like 95 or 99%. It 
So, of course, you know, there's still some speculation on what is in those documents. So I've been reading on and off some of the revelations in there. There's some things about Martin Luther King Jr. in there. About, you know, affairs he was having. Things like that. Just seemed kind of weird because it was in a JFK file. Um, I'm just reading from an article in the Washington Post. So some of the material that assassination experts have been most eager to review were, uh, were not included in documents. It says the missing records include a 338-page file on J. Walton Moore, the head of the CIA office in Dallas at the time of the killing, an 18-page dossier on Gordon McClendon, Dallas businessman who conferred with Ruby just before he shot Oswald, Several files on Notorious anti-Castro Cuban exiles were apparently withheld, including those focusing on Louis Posada and Orlando Bosch, who had been accused of a 1976 airline bombing that killed 73 people. So, unfortunately, I don't think there were a lot of new revelations or just some any bombshell revelations in these documents. From my understanding, I didn't read them, and I didn't read everything about it. Uh, and one of the reasons why I didn't read every, everything or everything about it is because it wasn't that big of news in the first place. And typically, these sources of news that I check would be the ones that would report on that if it was big. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm hearing out of these were things that were pretty much speculated anyway. So I think there's a lot of stuff to go over though. So I'll keep on uh, uh, an eye on the news for anything there, and I'm just gonna go over uh, just a smattering of different articles here that I've set aside, and uh, I'm gonna probably I'm gonna try to do the next show on Thursday, so I won't have 20 art articles to choose from. North Korea nuclear base collapses, killing 200 amid fears of massive radioactive leak. This is on the sun. Apparently it happened on October, uh, October 10th. This would be almost a month ago. But this is an article dated November 1st. A tunnel at an underground North Korea nuclear site has reportedly collapsed, killing up to 200 people. The disaster at the Pongyi-ri nuclear test site in the northeast of the country on October 10th, according to Japan's TV Asahi. The disaster prompted fears of a massive radioactive leak which could spark a Chernobyl or Fukushima-style disaster. Article claims a North Korean official said the Collapse happened during construction of an underground tunnel, which was reported by a South Korean news agency called Yonhap. It says some 100 people were said to have been trapped in the initial tunnel collapse with a further 100 lost in a second collapse. The Latino Victory Fund, or just Latino Victory Fund, releases an ad on YouTube depicting a 
white nationalist, possibly, I would guess. Some, it, sh it shows a truck with a white man driving it, a Confederate flag hanging out the back, and he's chasing down minorities. Uh, highly criticized ad. Came out right before... This ad came out right before the New York terrorist attack with the truck. I'm going to play it here and explain what's going on. They show a little Muslim girl, a little black boy. It's like a Hispanic child. And these are, they're just, you know, minding their own business or whatever. Getting harassed by this truck. You know, the minorities are telling each other to run. So you got a whole grab bag of minorities here and telling each other to get out of the way. This, this guy's got a don't tread on me license plate in the front of his truck and yeah, they show them reaching a fence. Is this what Donald Trump and Ed Gillespie mean by the American dream? Latino Victory Fund paid for and is responsible for the content of this advertisement. And, uh... It ends in uh, them waking up from a nightmare, and then you hear, you just heard the commentary. Obviously in terrible taste, and just completely ridiculous. I don't even know if I need to say anything. It, and if they, if they really defended this ad, you know, I'll just, I'll just look in the news quickly. I really, because I, I, I really doubt they apologize for this. Now, there's a article in Town Hall, Town Hall titled, Apparently There is One Defender of That Horrid Latino Victory Fund ad. Uh, Virginia AG candidate refuses to address Latino Victory Fund ad. Of course, they don't want anything to do with it. I don't think I mentioned that he had an Ed Gillespie... Bumper sticker on the back. The ad depicting supporters of Ed Gillespie running against Ralph Northam as racist murderers. Alright, article on townhall.com. Apparently there was one defender of that horrid Latino Victory Fund ad. This article says the Latino Victory Fund is guilty of creating one of the worst, most disgusting as in campaign history last month, the group, ha which has endorsed Democrat candidate Lieutenant Governor Gra uh, Ralph Northam, released a TV spot that depicted an angry Ed Gillespie supporting truck drivers seeking minority children to run over. It says, uh, defending the ad would be a tall task for even the most liberal of Democrats, yet DNC's or yet DNC Chair Tom Perez managed to do it. it says, quote. Let's be clear about what's happening in the race in Virginia and in all too many races. Dog whistle politics, Perez said. Steve Bannon just endorsed Ed Gillespie in Virginia this morning and throughout the this campaign, Ed Gillespie has been fear-mongering. He's been doing the same thing Donald Trump did. That's not fair. That's not right. Then he goes on to say he's looking to unite people. Of course, giving no specifics on how either Ed Gillespie or Donald Trump are dividing people. Press continues on to say, Ed Gillespie throughout his campaign has been dividing people. 
When you hit the bully back, the bully starts crying. Those are crocodile tears to me. So really no substance in there. And people have been calling Donald Trump and they've been calling Donald Trump a racist and divisive so many times without anything to back it up. Yeah, they just start to tune it out. And usually when they bring up something to back it up, they're they're twisting this and that to create some kind of story out of it. Taking things out of context or or going the whole uh, mind reading route where you proclaim somebody has a motive that goes outside the bounds of what they're actually saying. Another thing in the news today was uh, Ivanka Trump going to Japan. She, I think she arrived to Japan a couple days before Donald Trump. And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up is I saw this article on Asahi.com. Spelled A-S-A-H-I. Uh, and there's an article titled, Japan rolls out sleek all-female police squad to protect Ivanka. And they have a picture here of this, uh, they're doing this drill. So all the, the female squad, they're all wearing black. Like these black suits. And in the drill, they have a, like a fan holding a present running in, trying to run in. And, uh, and they're blocking them. Section of the article says, A woman holding a gift or a bouquet of flowers jumps out of a crowd to hand them. To a female VIP who is walking past at the Imperial Palace Outer Garden in central Tokyo. In a flash, female officers pounce on the trespasser and escort her back into the crowd. That's part of the drill that they're doing. It just makes me think. In, in Japan, apparently their biggest worry about uh, a diplomat like Ivanka Trump coming through is blocking people running into the... Uh, running up to her with presents or flowers. Quite a different story in other countries. Amid all this sex scandal stuff, a lot of, uh, not you know, not only is it Harvey Weinstein, he's uh, got his list growing there, and others like Ben Affleck and Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey, uh, well, that's a whole other story. I, 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 didn't, I never went over that, but that's another disgusting thing um men saying that he was trying to rape them or sexually assault them when they were young teenagers uh amid that news kevin spacey comes out as gay and that actually steals the headline from a lot of these media outlets kevin spacey will now live as a gay man or something of that sort uh, completely ignoring the fact that he was accused of raping little boys. Anyway, moving past Hollywood here, what do we have? Publisher of the New Republic resigns amid harassment allegations. So, new, the New Republic, a, a highly liberal media outlet, uh, one that attacks conservative people pretty viciously. Members of the conservative side viciously. Major ally of the so-called left like Harvey Weinstein. 
just another dirtbag trying to cover up their terrible behavior with the false activism that is left-wing politics. This is an article on the Huffington Post of all. Outlets, speaking of uh, left-wing attack dogs here. Hamilton Fish, president and publisher of the New Republic, resigned from the magazine Friday following allegations he has mistreated female employees. When McCormick, the owner of the New Republic, made the announcement in a memo to staff noting that the investigation into Fish's conduct would continue. In a letter to McCormick, Fish acknowledged complaints that from employees that his presence in the office, quote, and led them to feel uncomfortable at the New Republic. Papa John's made a news of speculation that they would withdraw their sponsorship of the NFL and all kinds of uh, media hilarity ensues. Now, for one, Papa John's is an official NFL sponsor or has claimed that the Papa John's pizza is the official pizza of the NFL. Well, their sales declined. So this all this came about. Uh, and then other pizza organizations who aren't even in the same position as Papa John's said their sales are just fine, blaming on their sales. Uh, it's kind of a different situation. I don't know if you can draw an exact correlation there. But anyway, uh, of course, the... Uh, Left-wing media jumps in here. Now, I don't know if this started out with the Huffington Post, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Either Salon or Huffington Post or one of these BuzzFeeds. (laughs) Claiming Papa John's is the, you know, now the official pizza of the alt-right. You know, along with this whole... This happened to Wendy's, too. Like, somebody on the internet... Some you know, shit poster or whatever you want to call it on the internet saying something good about uh, Papa John's or making a Wendy's meme. And the left sees this and all of a sudden think that, uh, thinks that this is like official Hitler gospel. So Papa John's comes out. I guess this looks like an article from four hours ago on the New York Post says it tells white supremacists not to buy our pizza. I have to look at this. Papa John's to white supremacists don't buy our pizza. So, of course, you know, they're they're trying to uh they're trying to save their reputation here. Uh but the, the sad thing is they shouldn't even have to. If somebody says, "Oh, this is a your pizza is now a Nazi." You shouldn't even have to respond to that. That's just so dumb to begin with. Like, anybody, anybody believes that uh, this Papa John's guy, he's a public figure. If anybody believes this guy is suddenly a Nazi or always was a Nazi because he doesn't want to ruin his brand by being an official pizza of a sports league that protests a national anthem. If you're calling this guy a Nazi... Because of that, and because somebody on 4chan or something posted 
buy <laughs> buy Papa John pizza now with a with a Pepe symbol or or whatever the hell happened. I don't know what happened. If you're gonna call this guy a Nazi, I just you just uh, I think you're mad about something else. They're showing a tweet. Somebody somebody tweeting a picture of a, a pizza with pepperonis arranging a swastika on it. And he says, as far as I'm concerned, Nazis can stuff their face with Papa John's pizza. So, more ridiculousness there. You know, I, is it really Donald Trump who is dividing America right now? I, Well, I don't wonder. I don't think Donald Trump is the biggest dividing force in America right now. Uh, other things in the news, uh, um, a lot of interesting stuff coming out of Saudi Arabia. Well, first there's a helicopter crash carrying eight high-ranking officials. All died. One a prince. Prince Ben McCrin. Crash near the Yemen border. Uh, I'm looking at an article on Zero Hedge.com by Tyle Durden, titled "The Saudi Helicopter or Saudi Helicopter Carrying Eight High-Ranking Officials All Dead." So the article says a crash comes after a or after Saudi Arabia a day after Saudi Arabia intercepted and destroyed a ballistic missile near. Riyadh's international airport after it was fired from Yemen in an escalation of the kingdom's war against Iran-backed Houthi rebels. And then, here's another article on Reuters. Future Saudi king Titan's grip on power with arrests including Prince Al-Wahid. Al-Wahid, I, I, I believe. You know, this is the prince that Donald Trump got into a little Twitter war with. Donald Trump saying that you're not going to use your dad's money to control the United States. I think he called him a dope or a dopey. I think he called him dopey prince or something like that. So his article on Reuters says, Saudi Arabia's future king has tightened grip on power through anti-corruption purge by arresting royals, ministers, and investors, including billionaire Al-Wahid. Al-Wahid. Ben Talil, who's one of the kingdom's most prominent businessmen. Article says a purge against the kingdom's political and business elite also targeted the head of the National Guard. Another name I'm probably going to butcher, Prince Matib bin Abdullah, who was detained and replaced as minister of the powerful National Guard by Prince Khalid bin Ayaf. Uh, the allegations against Prince Al-Walid include money laundering, bribery, and extorting officials. One Republican, or one official, one official told Reuters. While Prince Matib is accused of embezzlement, hiring ghost employees and awarding contracts to his own companies, including a $10 billion deal for walkie-talkies and a bulletproof military gear or and bulletproof military gear worth billions of Saudi riles. I'm guessing that's their currency. The article says the allegations couldn't be independently verified. 
members of families could not be reached. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. Rand Paul gets assaulted mowing his lawn. This was Friday afternoon. Assaulted by a Democrat neighbor. Was initially reported that he had some minor injuries, but it turns out he's got five broken ribs, lung contusions. There's an article on uh, BG Daily News. as Bowling Green Daily News. U.S. Senator Rand Paul has five rib fractures and lung contusions as a result of apparent assault Friday by a neighbor at Paul's home in Bowling Green. So it looks like this guy might, well, it initially looked like he was going to get a slap on the wrist. You know, just your fourth degree assault or something like that. Uh, now with the extent of the injuries, he could get further charges. I'm just doing a live news search here. and I see a New York Times posting an article asking if landscaping drama is the root of Rand Paul's assault. Which is kind of strange. They originally speculated is because he's uh, what had some kind of Twitter spats with Rand Paul. I believe they were political, and this guy is a Democrat that attacked him. But I'm sure there'd be some weight off the New York Times shoulders if they could just make it like a look like a business thing. Just some guy speaking named Jim Skaggs. They have a quote from him. They just couldn't get along. I think it had very little to do with Democrat or Republican politics, said Jim Skaggs, who developed the gated community and who lives nearby. I think it was a neighbor-to-neighbor thing. They just both had strong opinions and a little different ones about what property rights mean. I'm looking at the article here to see if I can find more information on what exactly they mean by that. It was this guy says, I'm not... He's still unsure why he attacked, so I don't know. I don't know why that would have something to do with landscaping. Kind of a weird article just to throw up there without a lot of information. Well, New York Times isn't really news anyway, so I guess I couldn't expect much more. There's another article on New York Times says, Texas gunman broke child's skull, assaulted assaulted wife in troubled life. It says uh, he beat his wife and cracked his toddler's his toddler stepson's skull, and was kicked out of the military. So this must be that charge that got him kicked out. He's even saying his article's even saying he abused his dog. And this guy hated Christians. Now what 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 in this guy's life? What's what's um, great thing about this man gives him? His pedestal to stand on and seethe with hate over others. I would just be general. I would be leery in general of anybody I meet who would appear that their main purpose in life or their main passion is hatred toward someone else or another group. Because you only have to wonder what is wrong in their life to use that kind of hatred to mask their own flaws.
And this guy had way deeper ones than just about anybody walking the earth. Now, there's a couple other articles here that I just found real quick before starting the show. I'll just open them up real quick. Paradise Papers shine light on where the elite hide their money. Now, I actually didn't look into this Paradise Papers thing. I saw it going around in the news a little bit. This is on New York Times, so I might have to find a better source for real news here. This, according to this article, Corey leaked totally more than 13.4 million documents focuses on Bermuded, the Bermudan law firm Appleby, a 119-year-old company that caters to blue chip corporations and very wealthy people. Appleby helps clients reduce their tax burden, obscure their ownership of assets like companies, private aircraft, real estate, and yachts, and set up huge offshore trusts that in some case hold billions of dollars. You know, and, and I would not doubt at all that the people that engage in this kind of activity, this kind of trickery to hide their assets, are advocating for tough laws on middle class. <clears throat> Calling for so-called taxes for rich, which wouldn't just raise taxes on the top 0.01% or 0.001%, whoever the, these people that have access to all these services. They advocate for tax plans that would tax closer to the 50% and, and above people who are pretty much paying all the taxes already. Yeah, two kinds of people pro uh, I don't think pay taxes in America are the, the poor and the super rich. And the super rich want the middle class and everybody else. The middle class and the upper class. Not as upper as they are, but you know what I mean. They want them to pay it. And they tell the poor the same thing. They try to convince them of the same thing. So I'm going to look more into that, I think. It looks like there's some interesting names in all these revelations. I see Apple in here, I see Putin, Kremlin. I think one of these articles I saw, a thumbnail of the Queen of England, oh, who knows. Now here we go, just kind of like Papa John's here. ACLU drags Taylor Swift for trying to silence critic. This is an article in the Huffington Compost. Singer's legal team did not take kindly to an article about Swiss popularity with white supremacists. So I wonder how they know that. Like, these people that write these articles, these people that are from the Huffington Post and Salon and all these other people, do they know white supremacists? I don't think I know any white supremacists. If I know a white supremacist, they haven't come out to me. I don't know anybody that would call themselves a white supremacist. So again, I'm, I'm guessing this is another thing where some idiot amateur journalist, some social justice warrior journalist, saw something on 4chan or some tweet or something like that and made the conclusion that uh, Taylor Swift is the queen of the alt-right now. Here we go. In a piece titled Swiftly to the Alt-Right, Taylor sub subtly 
gets the lowercase kkk in formation. Writer Megan Herning argues that Swift's new single, Look What You Made Me Do, serves as a subtle, quiet, white support of racial hierarchy. By positioning the singer alongside the history of the eugenics movement and the rise of neo-Nazis. That's more, that's that's, uh, just all too common. Uh, The left, the left can't survive anymore without the social justice warrior platform. So if they're not seeing outright racism or injustice, they will look for it and they will find it anywhere. You know, kind of like if you're an enemy of the state, prosecutors can comb through the laws, the millions of laws that many of which many prosecutors probably don't even know about. They can comb through that and just find something wrong, try to build a case against you. And that's what uh, a lot of these no-name journalists do. So I'm not even going to read this article. It's just, uh, it's just dumb. I think everybody kind of knows it's dumb as soon as they see it. The uh, the left isn't winning. The so-called left. Uh, the the problem is there really isn't a good left. <laughs> I can't really think of a left-wing source that I would just say, hey, these people got it right. I mean, not that I don't have my criticisms of some right-wing outlets, but. The left-wing ones, is they take it to a, a whole different level. So I'm just checking Donald Trump's Twitter right now. And he's uh, commenting on the Saudi stuff. He says, I have great confidence in King Salman and the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. They know exactly what they are doing. Some of those they are harshly treating have been milking their country for years. Trump retweeted a Japanese tweet. From Shinzo Abe. It's a tweet in Japanese. And translated. It means roughly. The first historic. Visit. By the president. Or President Trump to Japan. Has definitely been able to show the world. The unwavering bond of the alliance. Thank you very much. Donald. And I pray for a great success. Visiting Asia. I think that's. Uh, referring to his trip to South Korea now. Speaking of Twitter, I'll, I'll check a Rand. A Rand Paul. One Rand Paul Twitter. Let's see if he's got anything going on. Maybe he's sitting at home with a broken ribcage watching Netflix. And his last uh, tweet just saying, Kelly and I appreciate the overwhelming support after Friday's unfortunate event. Thank you for your thoughts and prayers. I actually think he's probably pretty busted up. I mean, broke ribs are bad. I haven't had broken ribs. I've had bruised ribs before. And bruised ribs feel like broken ribs. So I just imagine that broken ribs just feel like uh, probably a chainsaw taken to your chest. Oh, here we go. Before I before I leave here, I, just, I saw this headline here. Secret Service arrests man near White House who wanted to kill all white police. Oh, Donald, why do you have to divide our country? Says Sarcastic Adam. That's me, by the way. You can email me at adam at caldwellmadison.com, by the way. Sometimes I don't mention that. 
A man who, uh, who was arrested Monday in Washington, D.C. allegedly traveled to the nation's capital to kill all white police at the White House. Michael Arega of Dallas, Texas was arrested Monday afternoon after Secret Service Protective Allegiance Division received an alert just before 3 p.m. from Montgomery County, Maryland, the police department, to be on a lookout for Arega. He reportedly traveled from Texas to kill all white police at the White House, according to a statement from the U.S. Secret Service. Yeah, I really hate the labels, but I keep I, I think I've said it in a couple times in this podcast, leftists, complaining about leftists. Well, I'm just, just going to have to do it again. You know, I... Maybe I get why leftists don't like guns. They hate guns because maybe they look at themselves. They look into their own souls and come to the conclusion that they might do terrible things with them. Given the opportunity. Whereas most responsible or most people that own guns are very responsible and would never think to harm anybody or a family member with the weapons they hold. And I think I said already how many times I was going to wrap this up. But there is a new Fed chair. Or a new speculated Fed chair. And his name is Jerome Powell. Let's just go over this article real quick on TheEconomist.com. It says the wait is over. The article is called Jerome Powell will be the next Fed chair. Subheadline, America's next central bank chief is expected to stay on course on monetary policy. They always do. On course meaning, I guess, inflate. (laughs) Keep interest rates low, artificially low. I I don't know. Quantitative easing. And they only have so many tools, but the tools have a massive, massive impact on the economy. And if I knew it off the top of my head, I'd recommend a documentary, if I remember it, I'll say it on the next episode. Well, the point I want to make is I would say the Federal Reserve is more powerful than the, pres- the president as far as economies go. Just about every crash, just about every bubble, the good times, the bad times, all came to fruition on artificial terms. I came to the conclusion a long time ago that we're not very, we're not a very capitalist society. We have centralized planning with capitalist elements. And the sad thing is, or the interesting thing is, as Rand Paul would say, the interesting thing is, uh, you can say the same thing about China. But at least I can say that it, things are better here and we have a much better potential to utilize capitalism the way it is meant to be used. I think on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, And I think I'm going to try to do a show on Wednesday. And hopefully I'll get back into the rhythm here. I know I I should, I could just promise to do a show Wednesday, but 
Still trying to make my mind up here on how the show will work out best. So, well, until next time, this has been Caldwell Medicine Review, episode 68. I hope you all have a good rest of the week, and we'll hope to catch you next time.